Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. Thank you for listening to this podcast about tobacco cessation. The four learning objectives for this podcast are to one, describe how the use of other forms of tobacco besides cigarettes are becoming increasingly prevalent and how these are harmful to users. Two, review electronic cigarette and vaping associated lung injury, also known as EVALI. Three, evaluate the current approaches for primary care providers to assist patients with tobacco use cessation. And four, identify pharmacologic aids for tobacco use cessation. Tobacco cessation should be a priority for health providers. It continues to be a leading preventable cause of death in the the United States with over 480,000 dying each year and results in over $175 billion in annual smoking attributable health costs. 15.5% of U.S. adults are current smokers, which translates into 37.8 million adults. Secondhand smoke causes an additional 41,000 deaths each year through causal mechanisms including myocardial infarction and other cardiovascular disease, as well as lung and other cancers. It also causes other health problems, such as asthma and upper respiratory infection disorders in children, low birth weight, and sudden infant death syndrome. The dominant form of tobacco for decades has been cigarettes. However, Clinicians need to be aware of other forms of tobacco. Just to name a few different ways tobacco is being used include electronic cigarettes, also known as e-cigarettes or vaping devices, hookahs, snus, also known as wet snuff, dry snuff, spit and chew tobacco, cigars, pipes, cretex, beaties, and some who also still roll their own tobacco. I am going to give a bit more detail about two of the most notable forms, hookah, and e-cigarettes. Most people think of the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland when hearing the word hookah. It is also known as water pipe, shisha, nargyle, and hubble bubble, and this is flavored tobacco burned in a smoking bowl covered with foil and coal. The smoke is cooled by filtration through a basin of water and consumed through a hose. Its use had been limited to parts of North Africa, the Mediterranean region, and parts of Asia. However, hookah use is now frequently seen at U.S. colleges, and approximately 10% of college students have used hookah in the past year from the 2019 Monitoring the Future survey. Hookah is perceived as, but is not safer than cigarettes. It has been estimated by the World Health Organization that one hour of smoking hookah is equivalent to smoking 100 cigarettes. Hookah smoke is associated with lung cancer, respiratory illness, low birth weight, periodontal disease, and heart disease. Let me turn now to electronic cigarettes, also known as e-cigarettes or vaping. These are a combination of a disposable nicotine cartridge, a battery, and an aerosolizing device. 
The U.S. Food and Drug Administration classified these as tobacco products in April 2011, but due to litigation, these have yet to be regulated. Manufacturers were required to finally send materials to the Food and Drug Administration for regulatory review earlier this month. Two years ago, the Surgeon General, Jerome Adams, called e-cigarettes a youth epidemic. E-cigarette use among U.S. middle and high school students increased 900% during 2011 to 2015 and has continued to climb. Current e-cigarette use among high school students as measured by the National Youth Risk Behavior Survey went from 13.2% in 2017 to 32.7% in 2019. Juul has been the recent market leader for e-cigarettes, and in December 2018, Altria, the U.S. spinoff of Philip Morris, purchased a 35% stake in the company. Introduced in 2015, its appeal is that it is a USB look-alike device and easy to hide. Juul's nicotine salt concentrated formulation leads to high nicotine content as one Juul pod is equal to 20 cigarettes. There are many pods for Juul devices now made by third-party producers, including THC-filled pods. Pods used to come in multiple flavors, Mango, fruit, and mint were top flavors before these were voluntarily pulled from the market by Juul at the end of 2019, although menthol flavor is still available. Flavors are a gateway for initiation, as young users don't start with tobacco-flavored pods. Flavor bans have been proposed to reduce youth use, and one such policy was recently signed into law in California. That said, Many proposed policies exempt specific flavors, which unfortunately leads users to switch to the exempted flavors. This was seen with the Food and Drug Administration 2019 Cigarette Flavor Ban, which exempted ment and menthol flavors and subsequently increased use of menthol cigarettes was observed. The rise of e-cigarettes is particularly concerning because of e-cigarette and or vaping product-associated lung injury, or EVALI. Ivali was first reported by the CDC in August 2019 and is a diagnosis of exclusion associated with use of e-cigarettes or vaping 90 days prior to symptom onset. There were 2,668 cases and 60 deaths through January 14, 2020 before reporting processes wound down. What was concerning was the frequency of seeing otherwise healthy young adults ending up on ventilators in intensive care units presaging what we have seen in the COVID-19 pandemic. The median age of Avali cases was 24, although deaths generally occurred among older individuals, with a median age of those deceased at age 51. 2% of all Avali patients were aged 65 to 75 years, but they comprised 24% of the deaths. Much has been made of the association with THC, as 82% of Evali cases were associated with THC use, but 13% of Evali cases were nicotine only. It is hard to know for sure, as associations were based on self-report, but this proportion of non-THC Evali cases were seen in places like California, where recreational cannabis use is legal, and there is little reason to not disclose cannabis use. No single compound or ingredient has emerged as the cause of Evali, as not much residue remained in used vaping devices for testing. While there has been a strong association with vitamin E acetate, it was not present in all cases. There certainly could be multiple problems, not just additives, but potentially also with devices themselves. Different patterns of injury were seen in Evali cases, some which looked like chemical burns while others looked like lipoid pneumonia, which suggests potentially multiple etiologies. 
Still, this is a big unknown, but we still have seen presumptive cases during the COVID-19 pandemic, so it is an important issue to check with patients about their use of electronic cigarettes and vaping devices. So how does one get tobacco users to quit? There are five basic steps we need to do in society. Increase the price of tobacco, ban tobacco use in public places, ban tobacco advertising and promotion, have effective counter-marketing, and providing tobacco cessation treatment. Our focus as providers naturally is that final point. The good thing is most cigarette smokers, which are still the predominant type of tobacco users among adults, want to quit. 68% of current smokers want to quit and 55% tried to quit in the past year. However, only 31% of those who tried to quit got help, with 29% getting medication, 7% getting counseling, and 2% getting both. That is an unacceptable rate of treatment for any other chronic disease like hypertension or diabetes. Only about half of smokers, or about 57%, who saw a health provider in the past year reported receiving advice to quit, and most, 70%, of smokers saw health providers in the past year. This suggests health providers are not doing the best job with tobacco cessation. Many barriers have been raised as reasons why health providers are not doing this, but this podcast should help overcome a commonly cited barrier, lack of expertise. The Tobacco Cessation Clinical Practice Guideline recommends the five A's approach, which includes one, asking about tobacco use, two, advising tobacco users to quit, three, assessing readiness to quit, four, assisting with the quit attempt, and five, arranging for follow-up. Since the 2008 update, the recommended approach now has been streamlined to ask, advise, and refer to either a quit line, which we will talk about, or to a treatment specialist. Key treatments include behavioral treatments such as quit lines and pharmacotherapy, including nicotine replacement, bupropion, and varenicline. So what are quit lines? Quit lines are tobacco-based behavioral counseling for cessation. This can be done by calling 1-800-QUIT-NOW, which routes to the quit line in every state. For California, this is the same as 1-800-NO-BUTS. The odds ratio of cessation with use of a quit line is 1.56. Just to give an example of what happens with a quit line, the California quit line is available in multiple languages, English, Spanish, Mandarin, Cantonese, Korean, and Vietnamese. Its hours of operation are 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and they are only closed Sundays and holidays. It is comprised of telephone counseling, usually six sessions. The first session is 35 minutes with five eight-minute follow-up sessions after quitting on day one, day three, day seven, day 14, and day 28 after the quit. Increasingly, we are seeing other modalities for behavioral counseling, including texting programs and smartphone applications. The evidence is just emerging, but published studies often demonstrate similar levels of effectiveness with cessation. The other th uh, treatment modality available is pharmacotherapy. Nicotine replacement therapy includes five forms, the gum, patch, lozenge, nasal spray, and inhaler. I will also talk about the two other FDA-approved tobacco cessation medications, bupropion and varenicline. All tobacco users are recommended for intervention with medications, except for other tobacco users, light smokers, pregnant women, and adolescents, although nicotine replacement therapy is okay for that group, due to the lack of studies with these users. Nicotine gum is available over-the-counter 
and the advantage of its use is that patients can self-titrate to manage withdrawal symptoms while satisfying oral cravings. The disadvantage is that patients must use the proper chewing technique to minimize adverse effects. The nicotine is bound with the flavoring agent, so users need to chew it until the flavor comes out and then need to park it in the side of their mouth until the flavor and the nicotine go away. Chewing away, like regular chewing gum, will dramatically increase the amount of nicotine released and can cause nausea or headaches. Nicotine lozenges were developed to minimize this issue seen with nicotine gum. Similar to nicotine gum, it is available over-the-counter, and the advantage of its use is that patients can self-titrate to manage withdrawal symptoms while satisfying oral cravings. It is like a hard candy that is just parked in the mouth. For both nicotine gum and lozenges, dosing should be similar to substituting one piece for every cigarette used. We generally do not recommend use of more than 20 pieces a day, which would be equivalent to one pack of cigarettes. If someone is using one pack a day, it would be good to consider the third type of nicotine replacement, which is also over-the-counter, the transdermal nicotine patch. The patch provides consistent nicotine levels and is easy to use and conceal, unlike chewing gum, and there are fewer compliance issues associated with patch use. The disadvantage is that patients cannot titrate the dose as well, although the nicotine patch does come in three dosing levels, 21 mg, 14 mg, and 7 mg. The 21 mg patch was designed for individuals who use one pack a day. Individuals using less tobacco may be more appropriately started on a lower dose of the nicotine patch. For cessation, it is recommended that patches be used for 12 weeks, with the first six weeks at the starting dose and then tapered off over the subsequent six weeks. The other two forms of nicotine replacement therapy are less prevalent and require prescriptions, the nicotine nasal spray and nicotine inhaler. Again, these forms allow patients to easily titrate therapy to rapidly manage withdrawal symptoms. Much like their analogs with other drug delivery systems, they can cause irritation in the area of delivery, the nose and throat for the nasal spray, and the throat and mouth for the inhaler, and should be used with caution if someone has a chronic condition like reactive airway disease or chronic nasal disorders in the case of the nasal inhaler. The other two medications for tobacco cessation are bupropion and varenicline. Both had Food and Drug Administration black box warnings for suicidal ideation placed in December, on February 2008, but these were rescinded on December 2016. While there were higher suicides with use of these medications, over 40% of current smokers have an active alcohol, drug, or mental disorder, and the observed associations were determined not to be causal. That said, Healthcare providers should ask their patients about any history of psychiatric illness prior to starting these medications and should monitor patients for changes in mood and behavior while using them. The other thing about both medications is that they should be initiated one to two weeks prior to the patient's quit date to get enough circulating levels in the body. The advantage to using bupropion is that it can be uh, beneficial for patients with depression as we noted the high comorbidity of mental health disorders with tobacco use. The disadvantage is that it lowers the seizure threshold, so it may not be so good for those with a seizure history or those at risk for seizures, such as those who have an alcohol or sedative use disorder. Additionally, it is contraindicated among individuals with liver disease or use of MAO inhibitors. Varinocline is a new nicotinic acetylcholine receptor partial agonist that is not yet generic. It generally is well tolerated, by about, but about one-third of patients have nausea or other gastrointestinal issues, and other side effects like insomnia and abnormal dreams have been noted. For these medications, again, uh, the use is uh, over three months, 
uh, for a cessation attempt, uh, and at that point they can be completed. In terms of comparing long-term or greater than six-month quit rates, those suggest that verenicline is the most effective medication with an odds ratio of cessation of three compared to an odds ratio of cessation of two for bupropion and nicotine replacement therapy. Combination therapy is also effective and additive in effects. On one level, you can combine long-acting nicotine replacement therapy like the patch with short-acting nicotine replacement therapy like the lozenge for acute dose titration as needed for nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Additionally, bupropion and verinocline, when combined with nicotine replacement therapy, also increases cessation rates. And of course, counseling, such as with quitlines, should be paired with all medication approaches. If your patient is not ready to quit, a 2015 JAMA randomized control trial of 1,510 patients not willing to quit or to reduce use by one month, but willing to quit at three months, got either six months of varenicline or placebo. The varenicline arm had a 27% cessation rate compared to a 10% cessation rate in the placebo arm at one year. So starting varenicline early can be helpful. There is an ongoing debate whether e-cigarettes could be used for cessation or as harm reduction products. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force review in 2015 found insufficient evidence to recommend this for cessation. Additionally, without Food and Drug Administration regulation, there has been variability in manufacture of these devices and no long-term studies on safety, as we generally expect with other Food and Drug Administration-approved pharmacotherapy. However, the United Kingdom National Health Service has taken a different perspective on use of e-cigarettes for cessation or as harm reduction products. A 2019 randomized control trial published in, in the New England Journal of Medicine randomized 886 patients at free smoking cessation clinics to either being offered e-cigarettes or traditional nicotine replacement therapy. The primary outcome was one-year abstinence rate from cigarette smoking. The e-cigarette arm cessation rate was 18%, while the nicotine replacement therapy arm cessation rate was 9.9%. However, of those who quit in each arm, 80% in the e-cigarette arm were still using e-cigarettes at one year, while only 4% in the nicotine replacement therapy arm were still using nicotine replacement therapy at one year. Accounting for that, the overall one-year abstinence rate from nicotine for the e-cigarette arm was 3.7%, while for the nicotine replacement therapy was 9.0%. How you view the benefits of e-cigarette use depends on whether you are interested in total nicotine cessation or traditional cigarette cessation. Just a few acknowledgments regarding great resources in case you want more in-depth information. I recommend the Smoking Cessation Leadership Center and the rx for change curriculum, both based at UC San Francisco. The 2008 update on the Clinical Practice Guideline on Tobacco Use Independence continues to be the cornerstone for practice and is available at the Surgeon General's website. In closing, let me recap the learning objectives for this podcast. One, Describe how the use of other forms of tobacco besides cigarettes are becoming increasingly prevalent and how these are harmful to users. So remember to ask about other tobacco use, not just cigarettes. Two, review e-cigarette and vaping-associated lung injury, also known as Evali. Remember, Evali does occur with non-THC users. Three, evaluate the current approaches for primary care providers to assist patients with tobacco use cessation. So remember to ask, advise, and refer, and particularly remember to refer to your local quit line. Four, identify pharmacologic aids for tobacco use cessation. Remember, you have three types to help your patients. 
the five types of nicotine replacement therapy, bupropion, and varenicline, and these can all be used in combination. Thank you for listening. We thank you again for joining PrimeMed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.